this morning we want to talk about Mother's Day. We want to talk about moms and the, the importance of moms. We, we read some about um, moms in Scripture. If you look through Scripture, oftentimes you will see that a, uh, a, a person is known by his father. There are a few exceptions to that. But by and large, um, most of the men in Scripture are known by, by their father. We have a, a, a rather large exception to that in the New Testament. And I want to talk about that this morning. We're going to start in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. Um, Proverbs chapter 6. Now this is uh, kind of a lengthy, our men's group has been going through a a couple of different uh, books here lately. And we just finished Proverbs not that long ago. But Proverbs chapter 6, starting at verse 20, says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And that's kind of the way it seems to go in uh, today is fathers are the, the command. They're the ones who kind of land on a lot seems like but here he says do not forsake your mother's teaching bind them always on your heart your father's command and your mother's teaching fasten them around your neck when you walk they will guide you when you sleep they will watch over you when you awake they will speak to you you know what God is saying here is our parents have so much influence on us that their very words will guide us, will direct us, will speak to us uh, while we're awake and while we're sleeping. For this, I, uh, for this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction is instruction to our way of life. Uh, God is speaking very specifically here about not only listening to his word, but listening to your parents. Um, I know that there are some younger folks in the cars, and I'm, I'm telling you that, that you will over time, and maybe you don't so much appreciate your parents right now, but over time you're going to find that, man, the older I get, the smarter they were. Anybody who's past the age of 50 would agree with that. You you find, you realize, even probably 40, you realize, you know what, my, my dad was a lot smarter than I thought. My mom was a lot smarter than I thought. Um, many of you know my mom is... Uh, is uh, in the stages of Alzheimer's and the latter stages of Alzheimer's. And so days like Mother's Day are, are kind of tough. It, it doesn't even pay to call her. She has no idea who I am. But, but I have some very, very favorite memories of my mom. I remember one time as a kid, we were going to go to a, a wedding. And at the end of the wedding, there was going to be a wedding dance. And, and uh, my mom just... I don't know how she saw it or where she figured it out, but she knew that I didn't know how to dance. I was probably 10 years old, and so I remember my mom uh, teaching me how to dance in our kitchen, um, just pouring into my life. Moms, you make a difference. You make a huge, huge difference. As a gal, and if you've been here before on Mother's Day, you've maybe heard this, but just a little history of Mother's Day, a woman by the name of Anna Jarvis uh, she lived from 1864 to 1948. Uh, she first suggested a national observance, an annual day honoring mothers because she loved her own mother so much. And uh, she had a memorial service for her mom actually on May 10th, uh, 1908, so literally 112 years ago today. And she gave carnations, which are her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. Within the next few years, the idea to honor mothers gained popularity, and Mother's Day was observed in lots of large cities around the U.S. starting on May, uh, starting in, uh, starting about that time. On May 9th, in 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as, as Mother's Day, and he established the day as a time for public expression of our love and our reverence for mothers of our country. 
And by then it had been very customary for people to already wear the, the carnations, um, white carnations to honor the departed mothers and red carnations to honor mothers that were still alive. Now, I've said this before, and I know that it's true. I, I know that sometimes Mother's Day and Father's Day can be difficult on some folks. Perhaps you say, you know, my relationship with my mom was not that good. My relationship with my dad was not that good. Maybe you are a, a woman out here who has attempted to have kids, and you've not been able to have kids, and I understand that that's difficult. I understand that that can be a, a challenge. Um, I know there are people who have avoided church on Mother's Day and Father's Day just because of the pain of it. And I, and I get that. I understand that. Here's what I'd like to suggest, however. Somewhere along the line, even if you had a bad relationship with your mother, there was probably a woman who poured into your life, a mom who poured into your life. And maybe uh, if you've not had the ability to have children, you've poured into somebody else's life. Well, I would, I would encourage you to recognize that person. I'd encourage you to, to give that person a call. Send them a text. They may not even know the impact that they've had on your life. The Bible says that the law of the mother or the teaching of the mother shall lead you and shall be a light unto you. And you'll remember what your mother has taught you throughout your life. Again, young people, I want to encourage you to grab a hold of what mom is teaching you grab a hold of what grandma is teaching you grab a hold of and and let that let that love of god actually come through you know there's a, a commercial on recently and i don't remember what it's advertising but it's talking about um what does it take to be a mom what does it take to be a mom what does it take to be a mom at the very end of the commercial it's a bunch of different gals who are speaking at the very end of the commercial they say it's love that's what it really takes love it takes love Today we want to honor moms, and I want to do that in a kind of a strange way. We're actually going to talk about a guy. So we're going to honor moms, but we're going to talk about Timothy. Now this is not this Timothy. It's Timothy, a guy in the Bible who has two books of the Bible named after him, First and Second Timothy. And he didn't write them, but he was a recipient. And I think if we understand a little bit about Timothy's life, we'll see the value of moms. So here's what we know about Timothy. He was originally from Lystra. That's actually what we would call modern-day Turkey. His mom was a Jew, but she was converted to Christianity. She believed that Jesus was her Savior. His dad was a Greek. We think that the Apostle Paul actually introduced Timothy to faith in Jesus Christ. We get this because Paul says in 1 Timothy, he calls Timothy, my true son in faith. And we know that Paul visited Lystra on his first missionary journey. During his second missionary journey, Paul stopped again in Lystra, and he actually invited Timothy to go along with him on this journey. And Timothy accepted. So, and in order, I mean, his faith was so um, strong, Timothy's faith was so strong that he actually, before he went on that missionary journey with Paul, he was a young man, and he actually went and got himself circumcised so as not to offend people. So he was a pretty devout follower. We know that he traveled with Paul to Macedonia and Achaia, and he stayed a long time in Ephesus, then went back to Macedonia and Corinth, and even went to Jerusalem. We also know that when Paul was thrown in prison the first time, Timothy was there and he visited him. We can read about that in Philippians and Colossians. And it might be why um, when Paul was imprisoned right before his execution, he sent for Timothy. He asked that Timothy would... He invited Timothy in 2 Timothy to come and to visit him in jail. 
And actually we read that, that Timothy actually spent time in jail himself for his faith. In other words, folks, Timothy's faith was really strong. I mean, it was really strong. On one of Paul's trips, they went back to Ephesus, and Timothy stayed behind to be a pastor, which is why Paul wrote these two letters to him. And if you consider the time, he's doing this shortly after Jesus Christ uh, died and was resurrected. I mean, this is the early church. This is the beginning. People came into churches with a lot of crazy, crazy ideas. And Timothy's role as a pastor, as a leader, was to shepherd them and to guide them and to direct them in spiritual truth. We also see that Timothy had an influence on Paul. He was a co-writer with Paul in 2 Corinthians and Philippians and Colossians and 1 and 2 Thessalonians and even Philemon. Paul recognizes Timothy was, was there. They were very, very good friends. In fact, here's what Paul had to say about Timothy in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. I plan according to Jesus' plan to send Timothy to you very soon so he can bring back all the news of you that he can gather. In other words, I'm going to send him to you so that he can come back to me and tell me about all that you're doing. Oh, and how that will do my heart good, Paul says. I have no one quite like Timothy. He is loyal and he is genuinely concerned for you. Most people around here are looking out for themselves with little concern for the things of Jesus. But you yourself, uh, but you know yourself that Timothy is the real thing. He has been a devoted son to me as together we have delivered the message of Christ. That's, that's a pretty good testimony. I, I hope that someday I can be remembered in that type of way, that somebody would say, you know what, he was faithful. He followed me. He was, he was a messenger with me. Paul wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. So you say, well, okay, so, so Timothy was a devoted guy. Big deal. Timothy was a pastor. Big deal. Uh, he was a good friend of Paul's. Big deal. Why do we bring that up today? Well, I'll tell you why we bring it up today. I bring it up today because Timothy was who Timothy was because of his mother and because of his grandmother. Here's one of the writings from Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Paul says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. So, like I see this, I see this around me. Um, one, of the, one of the moms that I really want to honor today is my own wife. She has poured into our kids over the years. She sees things in their lives that I totally miss. Maybe it's because, I don't know why it is. It's because she's a mom and because I, I'm not. But she pours into her, their lives and she, she pours into my grandkids' lives. I, I, it means so much that that faith gets rooted young. My grandson in particular, um, He's excited to be, see Grandpa because there's going to be a four-wheeler or there's going to be a scooter or there's going to be something with a motor on it that we're going to go for a ride and can we go for, go for a golf cart ride. But when he's looking for Grandma, he's not looking for a golf cart ride. He's looking for somebody to wrap their arms around him. So much so my, my wife uh, told my grandson a story the other day. Now, this was just in passing. She told him the story of Peter Rabbit. And I've got to tell you, 
It's been a long time. I, I don't know the story of Peter Rabbit. She told him the story of Peter Rabbit. A week later, he's five, a week later, he goes in the back room and he starts building with Legos. And the next thing you know, he comes out and he's calling for Grandma. Grandma, 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 you got to come back here. You got to come back here. Grandma, you got to come back here. He didn't want Grandpa. He didn't want his mom. He didn't want anybody. He wanted Grandma. And he goes back and he shows Grandma how he, with Lincoln Logs, he built the farmer's house, and then he fenced off where the garden was. And he said, is this where Peter Rabbit got stuck? It's right here, Grandma. This is where he got stuck. He started telling her the story a week later. Look, folks, that's just a story of a goofy rabbit. Think of if we instill the gospel in our children and in our grandchildren. We pour that into their lives, and we will change their lives. We will transform. That's what happened to Timothy. Remember I mentioned that Paul went to Timothy's hometown and he stayed there for a while. More than one mission trip, apparently. And Paul not only got to know Timothy, but he got to know Timothy's mom. And he got to know Timothy's grandma. So much so that he recognized their faith. And Paul says very specifically to Timothy that his faith is strong because of what his mom and what his grandma poured in. Now, now Timothy's father was a Greek. We don't really even know much about him. We don't hear much about him. We don't read much about him. But we see that, gra that grandma and that mom had an impact, that they, they poured into him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul tells Timothy, But you should continue following the teachings that you have learned, because you know that they're true, because you trust those who taught you. Since you were a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise, and that wisdom leads to salvation through faith in Christ. Paul tells Timothy, hang on to those teachings that you got when you were a child, because they'll, they'll transform your life. They make you who you are. If you just think about it for a minute there... Back in that day, that time, Paul was a missionary coming to town. So they didn't have Sunday school like we have Sunday school. They didn't have church like we have church. Paul was establishing churches. And before he established those churches, mom and grandma were establishing the truth of Scripture in his life, in this young man's life. They were teaching him the Scriptures. And if you go back and and I don't know what your life is like or where you come from. But if you look at the statistics today, you'll see that women are, are primarily the leaders when it comes to church. My mom was the one who kept us kids going to church. I mean, we went to church. We were raised Catholic, accepted Christ years down the road. But we were raised in the Catholic church, and, and my dad didn't go very often. As a matter of fact, I, I tell this story often. I actually remember thinking to myself as a, as a teenager, you know, I just can't wait until I get married and my wife can take the kids to church and I'll get to stay home and watch all-star wrestling like my dad did. That didn't, uh, that really hasn't panned out very well for me. So, um, but mom has an important role. I want to I share with you some, some statistics. Now, moms, whether you believe this or not, uh, whether you experience this from your kids or not, they will tell other people just exactly how much of a role you have. I'm going to read some quotes from some famous Americans. John Quincy Adams. Maybe you heard of John Quincy Adams. He said, All that I am, my mother made me. 
Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or hope to be I owe to my angel mother. Dwight Moody said, All that I have ever accomplished in life I owe to my mother. This is real men thanking their moms. A few years ago, a group by the name of Barna, Barna Research, uh, they did a study with teenagers. And they wanted to ask what teenagers thought and felt in particular about their parents. So this Barna company went out and, and uh, they polled, they did some teen studies. And again, I think there are millions of moms uh, who would faint if they heard their kids actually say this, but uh, mom is typically the most revered figure in a teenager's life. Here's what the statistics say. Um, 50%, almost 6 out of 10 teenagers, say they are emotionally close to their mom, and 9 out of 10's, 10 contend that they are at least fairly close to their mothers. Some teen subgroups, mostly in the, the uh, African-American community, in the, the uh, born-again church community, as well as teens that see themselves as leaders, say that they, uh, uh, they perceive themselves to be above average um, in their connection with their, with their moms. Teens not only feel close to their moms, but they have an appreciation for how well she nurtures them. Again, I know this is not an across the board, but here's what the statistics say. When we ask teenagers what grade they would give their mom for her parenting prowess, three out of four gave her an A. One-fifth awarded her a B, and just 6% gave their mom a C or lower. And I have to tell you that moms did 11% better than dads. I don't know. Uh, research amongst mothers uh, say that they would be, research amongst mothers say they'd be shocked to hear such complimentary ratings from their kids. They'd, they'd never hear that from their kids, but the truth of the matter is that's how your kids perceive you, Mom. I'm not saying they didn't have a bad day and you didn't get into a bad spat, but the reality is you're loved, whether your kids tell you or not. Later on, they asked teens what would they would like to change about their mother. The number one thing that kids said they'd like to change about their mom is they'd like to have better communication. And the second thing, which might surprise you as well, is that they want more time with their moms. They want you to be in their lives. And I think, quite honestly, if you build that rapport with them young, you'll see it as they grow up. You'll see it be even more true. Also, um, I'll mention that 29% said that they would change absolutely nothing about their mom. They appreciate, they love the way their mom communicates with them. They love the way that they spend time with their mom. And I was thinking about this. You said, well, you know, what's the connection? Um, thinking back to my own days as a kid, I fell off of just about everything there was to fall off of. I climbed trees and fell out of trees. I had tree forts we fell out of and boards that fell out of tree forts that hit me. And I crashed bicycles and, and snowmobiles and motorcycles. And, you know, I would, I would be looking generally for mom. Well, if I wasn't hiding, then I was looking for mom. And you think about it, mom's the one who comes up and gives you a hug. Mom's the one who, who loves on you. Mom's the one who, who gives you a kiss and says everything's going to be better. Dad, on the other, sand, other hand, rubs the dirt off and says, it's a good thing you're tough. Get back out there and do it again. And I, and I did. It's, it's moms that show that, 
that type of compassion and that love. And I think that's what uh, that's part of what Paul recognized in Timothy's life. Moms, you have a role to play. Some folks have a have a question they struggle with this. I, I personally don't, but I know that some people struggle with, well, how much should I try to influence my children's faith? Parents, if you're out there today, your children and your grandchildren, they need to be influenced by you to be followers of Jesus. We just don't let kids make up their own mind. Hey, I'm going to give you, you know, a 12-year-old, I'm going to give them a couple hundred bucks and tell them to go out and buy all their, their clothes for school and, and figure out what they want for lunch today. They're going to have a $288 pair of shoes and a, and a candy bar. That's what they're going to have for school clothes and for lunch. I remember, actually, you could be older than that. I remember one time my mom actually giving me probably 50 bucks to go in and buy my school clothes. My buddy had just gotten his driver's license and so we were going to go in and buy school clothes and my mom gave me the money to go do it you're going to get cool i'll get clothes you're going to just yeah i'll get it do you know what i came home with i came home with a brand new pair of roller skates i never did get pants or i didn't buy school clothes how about roller skates so you don't just give kids that we have to lead and we have to direct and our and our kids and our grandkids need leading when it comes to faith we need to to direct them we need to build in their lives I know that we can't give anybody faith, but we give them an example to follow. We, we pour into their lives. We know, that we, need to, we know that we need to do that, and I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to share up, share Christ with your kids. We want our kids to make smart decisions. We want them to have, have great choices, but the reality is we want them to serve God. And in order to do that, we need to pour into their lives. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that's not a promise. Proverbs isn't about promises. But Proverbs says, this is the way life works best. If you train up your child to follow Christ when they're older, that's what they're going to do. You train them to make wise decisions. Uh, Ephesians 6 speaks about the same way, raising up a child with God's word. Paul points, out, Paul points this out about Timothy, that his mother was a Jew. Now this is important because Jewish families teach their children differently than what we teach our children, than the way that we teach our children. Uh, we have a lot of traditions that are associated with church. And we kind of have a pattern of trying to lead people to Christ and then introduce them to the traditions that the church has. In Jewish cultures, they did it exactly the opposite. They taught the children all of the traditions. This is why we celebrate this this pass or this feast. This is why we celebrate this this tradition. This is why we have this tradition. They taught them all about that and, and taught them the scriptures so that they would learn about Jesus Christ, so that they would learn about faith. They taught them first the traditions, then they taught them the word. They didn't try to lead them to Christ first. I think it's important for us with our kids and with our grandkids to be pouring into them. I remember, and my kids would agree with this, I remember the days of uh, my in-laws coming to visit. We lived in Hibbing, and Mel and Carol would come and visit us. And I can't tell you how many times I heard, Grandpa, tell us a Bible truth. Grandpa would go lay on the bed with the kids until they fell asleep. He wasn't telling them Bible stories. He was telling them Bible truths. And it's impacted my family. It's impacted my kids. It, 
it, folks, we have the opportunity. Moms and grandmas, you have the opportunity to pour into your children and your grandchildren's lives. And research shows, it proves over and over again that it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Don't stop. Don't stop pouring into their lives. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Even when it looks like they're not following, don't give up. You are you are the most influential person in their life. I'm sure that Timothy was not some five-year-old on fire, just excited for God kind of a kid that they're going to get him, get him all saved and have him doing all the church stuff and then teach him the scriptures. They taught him the scriptures. We teach our kids all kinds of stuff. You realize we'll, we'll teach them how to hunt and we'll teach them how to fish and we'll teach them how to drive and we'll teach them how to go here and go there. Moms will teach them how to cook and they'll teach them how to do all kinds of things. What we really need to do is we need to be teaching them faith. We need to teach them about Jesus. We need to teach them that truth. That's what's going to hold them. That's what's going to anchor them. That's what's going to change their lives. I want to close with this. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a verse known as the Shema. And many people have heard this verse. Many people know this. It's, it's Jewish, the Jewish culture. They're taught to repeat this uh, often during the day. The Lord, your God, is one. Or uh, God is God alone. And we read in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. And we, we know those verses, but it's the verses that go around it. It's the verses that put context to this that we need to understand. So instead of just that verse in verses 4 and 5, let's, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 starting in verse 1. These are the commands and the decrees and the laws the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and his commands that I give you this day so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you. So he sets this up by saying, I want you to remember these decrees. I want you to know these decrees. And then he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And then in verse 6, it says, These commands I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk down the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hand. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, know these laws, know these rules. Speak of God often. Tell your kids continually about the Lord. Speak about God on a regular basis. These are reminders. They should be written all throughout your house. Continually we should be speaking of the Lord. Continually we should be be declaring God's goodness continually we should be doing that and as you do that you equip your children and your grandchildren and the people around you moms you have a huge impact grandmas you have a huge impact on the lives of your children and your grandchildren continue to pour into them and maybe you say you know what pastor I didn't do such a good job I blew it I didn't I didn't do such a good job as a mom I, I wasn't following the Lord I wasn't I wasn't following God back then start today 
start today. Maybe you, you won't be able to pour into the life of your own child or your grand, but pour into the life of somebody. Pour into somebody's life. Make sure that you're giving opportunity, that you're, you're pouring into somebody's life because, because people need it, folks. We need to hear the word of God. And moms, you have a huge impact on, grandmas, you have a huge impact on the way, quite honestly, on the way this community goes, on the way faith goes, on the way faith in your household goes. Dads are important. Don't get me wrong. And here's the funny thing. We encourage moms all kinds of times during Mother's Day. And dads, we kind of bang on them. We kind of get them a little bit harder. We hit them a little bit harder. But moms, know that, that God loves you and will use that very gift of motherhood, he will use that. The way that you nurture, the way that you encourage, he will use that to guide and to direct and to instruct. I guess the biggest thing I want you to get a hold of this morning is to know just exactly how important you really are. Statistics prove over and over and over again. And I can tell you as a pastor, when there's a broken relationship between a mom and a daughter, a mom and a son, that broken relationship goes so deep. Do what you can do, folks. Do what you can do to restore that relationship. Because moms are critical in the lives of kids and their grandkids. Amen? Let's pray this, let's pray this afternoon or this morning. Father, again, if, if there's a mom in your car, you know what? Let's just bless her. Father, I just thank you so much for the moms who are here today. I thank you for the moms who couldn't be here. God, I just ask you to bless them. Like I said, I think of my own mom today, Lord, and I pray that you just give her comfort and peace. God, I pray that you'd bring life and hope. I pray for the moms that are here today that maybe have broken relationships or strained relationships. God, I just ask that you would restore and you'd renew. Maybe if there's been a bridge or a break or there's there's been some some kind of a some kind of a, a disruption in that relationship, God, that a bridge could just be extended. We could just begin to cross that line and say, Hey, you know what? Thinking about you today. Just thinking about you. I hope all is going well. For the moms who have who have truly poured into their kids' lives. God, I pray that you would pour back into their lives and that they would they would understand just what an impact that they've had in their children's lives. Lord, I thank you again for your goodness, for your hope. And I pray, God, that you just continue to use moms, bless the moms that are here today, and that they would they would receive from you, God. We see the impact. We see the impact that grandma and that mom had on a young man named Timothy and how he literally transformed, was with Paul, transformed a huge area of the world. Thank you so much for that testimony and that life in Jesus' name. Amen.